Anybody want to take a guess at what we're going to be talking about today? Uh, yeah, it's up there on the screen. We're going to be talking about joy today. We're in the Advent season at our church and actually the church around the world celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be taking uh, the next two Sundays and then the Sunday after Christmas to be considering what it means for Jesus Christ to be, be born. Um, I'll tell you what our society often does at Christmas time. When Christmas comes along, one of the things that you see more and more of is advertisements. Advertisements all over the place. Why? Because, well, companies want you to buy their products for your family and friends during the Christmas season. And when they put out their advertisements, often those advertisements come with some pretty great claims. Claims about what the product's capable of, what it can do for, for you. And it's not just at Christmas time that the ad, these advertisements come along and make some, some pretty remarkable claims. It, it happens all the time. And actually here in America, we have, go figure, government agencies that actually um, go against and guard the consumer against false claims that are made in advertising. Because, well, because these claims, if people purchase a product and based upon those claims, they are, well, if the company doesn't live up to the claims, the people are being defrauded, right? That's not a good thing to defraud somebody. And so this has happened numerous times throughout history. Um, I came across a few of, uh, few of the companies that have found themselves in legal trouble because of their claims. One was uh, Oric, the vacuum cleaner company. They had the uh, Oric Halo vacuum um, with the ProShield Plus air cleaner. All right? and, and here was the claim that was made by their ad. This vacuum cleaner captures viruses, kills viruses, helps stop the flu on virtually any surface and in the air in your home. Well, I, I want to get that vacuum cleaner if it can do those things. Would you believe it couldn't do that? Would you believe that? It made these claims that it couldn't live up to. So eventually, Oric, I'm sorry if you work for them, but they got sued for this and they had to pay up some money. And then there were the, I should have gotten a picture of these, but I know you've seen them. The Skecher shape-up shoes. Do you remember the Skecher shape-up shoes? Oh, yeah, right? They had the, they had the curve on them and things like that. And uh, one of the things that they claimed was shape up while you walk. Get in shape without setting foot in a gym. Now, they would go on to claim in their ad that you, all you had to do to strengthen your leg muscles, abs, and buttocks. Okay, that's what it says here. I'm just reading it. Is, is just walk in their shoes. Hmm, okay. Now, no doubt, walking is good exercise, right? But to believe that a pair of shoes by their shape could do all of these things for you, would you believe, guess what? That claim wasn't real. And so Skechers got sued and ultimately had to pay millions of dollars. And then there is Eclipse Wrigley gum. In fact, just yesterday, somebody offered me some Eclipse Wrigley gum. So I thought it was hysterical when I, when I saw this. Eclipse Wrigley gum claimed in its ad that due to its new ingredient, magnolia bark extract, it had germ-killing properties. Now, just on the surface of it for a moment, if, if I can chew something that can kill germs, do I really want to be chewing that thing? <laughs> right? Like, just on the, on the face of it, does that sound like a good idea to stick something in your mouth that can do that? Um, needless to say, when it was actually tested, it could not kill germs, and they had to pay out more than $6 million. And in fact, if you had a receipt, 
any person that had a receipt proving that they had bought any Wrigley gum during a certain time period, 2010 to like 2012, could actually send that receipt in, and you could have gotten $10 from the lawsuit. So when some of you are like, I did that, I'm like, good for you, way to go. So sometimes, sometimes advertisers, company make claims, and they can't back them, back them up. Today, we're going to go to a super familiar story. We're going to look at the Christmas story. We're going we're to look at the angels and the shepherds, and we're going to look at Mary and Joseph. And as we do that, we are going to encounter a claim that's made by the angels to the shepherds, a claim that I would posit this morning is absolutely audacious. It's, it's a claim that is extreme, but because this story is so familiar, we don't often truly recognize what is being claimed. And just to tip my hat a little bit about this claim, it's found in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open there to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 14 together. Part of what we're going to see the angels do in the claim that they make, is they're going to talk about joy. And specifically, what they are going to say about joy is that you can experience a certain joy in your life that although you will encounter sorrow, if you have this joy, it will keep you from despair. That although you experience pain and suffering in this life, you will never be without hope. That if you have conflict in this life, and you will, it will ultimately, if you have what the angels say here, will not lead you into bitterness. So let's go to this very famous story. Let's listen to what the angels proclaim and claim, and then see what God has for us. So starting in verse 1, are you ready? Here it is, the famous Christmas story. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called, what? Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with his wife, Mary, his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You're relatively familiar with this story. You've you've heard this before. Now, I want to stop here, though, and I want to make a comment about something, something I think is important for us and even for the young people that are here today listening to this. Do you notice all the facts all the figures that are recorded for us in these first few verses. These historical figures, these places that today still exist on the map, I'd want to draw your attention to those first few verses and all the data that is given to us because I want us to see something that I say often. The Bible is not a fairy tale. It doesn't pretend to be something that it's not. It It proclaims that it's history. It proclaims that it is a record of true events. And with all this data, with all these names, with all these people, it's telling us, listen, you have to deal with the fact that what I'm telling you was a real historical event. And so I don't want us to to read past this familiar part and not realize when I come across these things, I should be recognizing that what I'm reading is calling upon me to believe 
that this really took place. Now look at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is God's word. Amen? Amen. Now, as we consider this passage of scripture, as as we look at this, just right off the bat, I think we recognize some familiarity with this story. For goodness sakes, Linus quotes this in a Charlie Brown Christmas. So if you have that tradition every year in your family, you've, you've heard this. This is what he quotes. This is this passage in Luke chapter 2. But with this familiarity, sometimes we blow right past, right, let me try that one more time. We blow right past the audacious claim that is made by the angels. The audacious claim that we find right there in verse 10. Let me read it first again. Are you ready? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's break this verse down. He's saying at least three things. Number one, he's got good news. Now, that's not too big of a claim. I mean, somebody can come and say, hey, I got good news for you. And, and, and we can stomach that. We can say that, all right, what's so big about that, right? To say that you have good news, that's not that, that big of a deal. Okay, right, that's not that big of a deal. But here's the really dramatic thing. It's the second thing that he says about the good news. He says that this good news produces or is the source of a great or never-ending joy. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Now, we read that phrase, and we think about him saying, I got something to say to you that's going to make you really super happy. That's not what he's saying. That is, as we saw in our Advent video, a part of it. Yes, it's going to bring a happiness welling up inside of you, but the Angels use this Greek phrase. They say, megalain kara. That that word for for great there, that word mega, that's where we get our word for something that's large, right? We say something is mega, mega huge, right? It's big. But in the Greek, mega can be used in a lot of different ways. It can refer to something that is better than all others, superior than all others, mightier than all others. And so when the angel says, behold, I have good news of great joy. What he's talking about here is that the news that he is about to proclaim, it produces a joy that is greater than all others. This news has the ability to impact your life in such a way that wherever you go and whatever happens to you, this joy goes with you. Do you see now just a little bit more how audacious this claim is? That he would have some form of news that creates a superior joy to all others. And then he says, and this is great, he says that this good news which produces this joy is for, are you ready? All people. Whenever I read this section, I love to say, did you know that you were mentioned in the Bible? 
do you know that you can actually find yourself referenced in the Bible? And it's right here. Because last time I checked, I'm a people, you're a people. The angel says, this news is for who? All people. If you're a person, you're a people. And if you're a people, this news, which produces a great joy, is for you. Now do you even see a little bit more how audacious this claim is? Because he's not just saying it's good news. It's good news that produces a great joy. And it produces this joy, this never-ending, ever-present joy, not just for them at that moment in time and place in history, but it's a news that affects you and affects me even today and can produce in us joy. So you just thought the Christmas story and the angel thing was just so familiar, right? He comes and he says, I I have good news of great joy. But it is a huge claim that he's being made. Now, the reality for us as we think about this is ultimately, like, what kind of news could this angel possibly have? Because notice, he doesn't explain what the good news is just yet. But what kind of news could this angel possibly have that would be so good that it would cause this kind of joy in us? To that I say, great question. I'm so glad you asked. Let's look at it because he tells us what that news is. It's right here in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's the good news. But what does it mean? Because again, we're trying to get to this point. He says, his claim is, I have good news. It is so good, it produces a never-ending joy, and everybody can experience it. Now, I'm a simple person, so, so let's break down the good news for a moment. First, a savior is someone who rescues someone else, right? So, so he says, a, a savior has been born. So what is a savior? Don't just think like spiritually. A savior is somebody, if you say, oh, you're my savior, it's somebody who rescues you from a situation. Okay, now, if someone, as is said here, if someone is called your Savior, because the angel says, for unto you, and that's plural, all people is born this day a Savior. If someone is called your Savior, that implies that you need what? Saving. That you yourself need to be rescued. He says, here's the good news. If I could break it down in in its simplest, let me reread verse 11 with that understanding. The angel is saying, For unto you, that is those who need rescue, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, the one who can rescue you, who is Christ the Lord. As simple as I can state it, the angel is saying this. Here's the good news. We all need to be rescued, and our rescuer has come. Jesus. That is what the angel is ultimately saying. You want to know what the good news is? You all need to be rescued. The rescuer has come, and it's Jesus. Now, that clears up the specifics on what the good news is that the angel is actually sharing, but it does not in any way yet validate the second part of the claim, that that news that we all need rescuing and that the rescuer has come, that doesn't validate yet the second part of the claim that says this news is it should produce in you such a superior joy that it will always go with you. Because in order for us to understand how good this news is, that it would produce this kind of joy in us, 
we have to answer a pretty obvious question. You know what it is? No, it's there in your notes. Let's fill it in. From what do we need rescuing? Because it can only be this good news that creates a, a tremendous joy in us if we know the depths from what we need rescuing. Depending on the condition from which you need rescuing will dictate the kind of joy that you have. If you trip and you fall down and someone picks you up, you say, oh, thank you. That, you, you helped me. And, and you'll feel a momentary joy. But the angel is saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand. The type of rescuing that you're receiving from this person is so great that it creates a joy that's never ending. And for us to begin to understand from what we need rescuing, we have to go back two books in the Bible to the book of Matthew. Because when Jesus is is going to be born, the angel first came to his earthly father, Joseph, and told him exactly what Jesus was going to do. Look at this. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Joseph's trying to decide whether or not he's going to marry Mary because she's, she's pregnant. So the angel visits him, and here's what the angel says. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Same angel says, angel, don't fear. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. For what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people, what? From their sins. There it is. That's the rescuing that Jesus is going to do. He's going to save us from our sins. To put it as simple again as I can, from what do we need rescuing according to the word of God? Sin and its impact on us. If you've been with us throughout the fall, we've been going through the book of Genesis. Genesis shows us what the world looks like without sin. Genesis says God created a perfect world. There were no problems, no death, no disease, no suffering, no pain. But when humanity, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, rejected God and rebelled against him and his ways, sin entered in and with it all the problems that we see in the world. Sin has had a huge impact upon humanity that you're feeling today, that I'm feeling today. And I just want to draw attention to just like three of them. The three ways in which sin has impacted all of our lives. First, sin brings punishment. Sin brings punishment. You know, the God of the universe is a perfect king. He's the sovereign over all of things. And he has told us, like any earthly king would do, where do you think they get their ideas from? Here's how you're to live within my kingdom. When you violate that, when you choose to rebel against me, punishment will come upon you. He told Adam and Eve that it would invite death into the world, but we also know that it invites eternal separation from him. Listen, you break the law, there's punishment. There's judgment that comes upon us. For any of us that have kids, we tell our children all the time, right? We know what is right and good for them, and we say, if you do this thing, if you go against my word, you will be punished. We don't do that because we're mean, evil people, at least hopefully not most of the time, right? We, we do that because we're trying to protect them. And they must learn if they violate what we say. God says, here's the deal though, when you break my laws, when you go against my word, the punishment that you receive isn't just purely temporal, but it's eternal. Secondly though, sin creates slavery. Sin creates slavery. Every single person here, according to God's word, is bound by sin. 
We are slaves to sin. We like to think, and I talked about this last week, that we're like these moral neutral agents, right? That, that we could be either good or bad. The Bible says, no, you are bound by your sinful desires. You are against God and against his way. You might seem like you're a nice person, but the reality is all of our hearts are darkened and we are captives to sin. And this slavery, it binds us. This slavery, it keeps us from the hope, joy, love, and peace that we were created to have with our God. We sing during the Christmas season that song. Should I sing another Christmas song? This it? I won't do it. I'll just quote it, right? We sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? Very famous Christmas song. What does the line go on to say? O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. What that song is doing is it's actually quoting the prophets who were looking forward to the Messiah's coming, the Messiah who would set them free, not just from captivity to the Babylonians or the Romans, but from captivity to sin. We are captives, and we can't free ourselves. We are slaves. We are slaves, and sin ultimately leads to death. It leads to death, for the wages of sin is death. God said to Adam and Eve, the the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely what? Die. Not take a nap. You will cease to experience life as you were designed to experience it. It's not just in the moment, or it's not just in the future that we experience death. Every day, death surrounds us. We are kept from knowing the lives that we were supposed to have because of sin. We're enslaved to sin. We're under the condemnation and judgment of God. And then one day, if our sin is not dealt with, we will eternally be separated from him in hell. That is the consequence of sin. And so now now go back and think about what the angel is saying. He says to the shepherds, I have good news for you. That, that can produce an unmatched joy. You are all slaves and going to receive the punishment and death that you deserve, but you don't have to because Jesus has come to save you from all that. This is the good news. This is why he can say it produces a great joy because if you and I truly are in slavery, and under judgment, and will experience eternal death and separation from God. And yet you can be freed from that? That is a huge salvation. And some of you might be wondering, okay, but why is Jesus the one to do it? Why is the birth of a little baby Jesus in a manger, why is he the one to do it? Why should I put all my eggs in the basket of Jesus? How can he be the one who's able to deliver We know that none of us can escape the situation that we've created. We are are mixed in with the problem. We are part of the problem. And so someone has to come from the outside. Our debt is too great. Our burden is too much. We can't address it ourselves. Someone from the outside has to come in. And that's what happens. You see, Jesus, here's why he's the one who's able to save us is because Jesus is the only one with the power and the position to do so. 
Did, did you know that? He's the one with the power and the position to save. He is the son of God, the perfect righteous one, the unmatched one who comes and uses all of his powers and all of his rights to die for you, to die for me, to enter into our earth and into our suffering. So you want to know why does this produce never-ending joy? Listen, listen to this just for a moment. But l- listen, listen to this. This is such good news because what Jesus has done for us, he addresses our past, our present, and our future. Why is this such good news that it produces a joy that is ever-present? Because if you know Jesus for who he is and what he has done, then you know him to be somebody who dealt with your past, who's with you in the present, and who's with you in the future. You see, because of what Jesus has done for us, I'm going to say things that are going to sound really familiar. But if you take a step back and you think about what it means for you today in 2019, if you actually can can comprehend with me today what this news actually means, you're going to understand why earlier I said this joy that, that is produced by this news is a joy that although you're going to be faced with sorrow in your life, you will never fall into despair. Why, although you experience pain in this life, physical whatever, you will not ever be without hope. Why, as Pastor Tony said in the video, you have this soul-satisfying joy. Because here's the thing. Here's what Jesus has done for you. He has forgiven all your sins. Not just the sins today, but your sins from the past and the sins that you're going to commit. You couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Jesus did. You are forgiven today. Your sins are forgiven. You are freed from sin in the present. Right now, you are, if you're in Jesus Christ, no longer a slave to sin. Rejoice, rejoice, because Emmanuel has come. You are freed from sin's power over your life, and and not just that, you are a recipient of eternal life to come. All right, the point I'm trying to make is that baby in a manger, the reason why his coming to save you is good news is because your past is dealt with, your present is taken care of, and so is your future. Because Jesus has done all of this and more for you in his coming. It's why we started the service in singing that song, Joy to the World, the Lord Has Come. It's an audacious claim to say, that you should have joy today and I should have joy today no matter what has happened to us or is happening to us. I'm not saying that you could not be experiencing pain and sadness today. What I am saying is though, in the midst of your pain and your sadness, you are not without hope that you ultimately have seated within you a joy that no situation or circumstance or person can rob you of because Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, to set you free, to forgive you, and to give you eternal life. Nothing in your past, nothing in your present, and nothing in your future can ever change that joy to the world. The Lord has come. This is why we can say the claim of the angel, yeah, it's audacious. It's actually over the top, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Think with me on these things. If you know Jesus today, 
every day you wake up, you wake up in Jesus, not condemned. Every day that you wake up, you wake up freed from the power of sin in your life. Every day you wake up, you wake up knowing that the God who made the heaven and the earth loves you. Not because you did anything to deserve that, but because Jesus did that for you. When I look back on 2019, I find much that I can rejoice in and celebrate. Things that God has done in my family, things that God has done in our church's family. But I can also see a litany of things that brought sorrow and pain and struggle into my life and the life of those that I love. But I'll tell you one thing that was true in all of that. I had in the midst of 2019, in the good and the bad, this. I had good news of great joy. That was not just for me, but for all people. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save. And that he was with me and that he was with you. And if you know and love Jesus Christ today, I want for you more desperately than anything to know that that joy is yours. Because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I don't know what today's going to bring. But the promise of Christianity is not that your life is going to be perfect in a bed of roses. The promise of Christianity is no matter what the, the world brings you, no matter what you face in this world, there is good news of great joy for you every single moment. Do you want to experience that joy? Do you want to know that joy? Do you want to have that joy in your sorrows and in your pain? Do you want to have that joy in your conflict and in your suffering? Here's what God's word would say to us. Proclaim and believe. To experience the joy of this good news, you must proclaim and believe. What do I mean by proclaim? There was a, a, a great theologian of the past who said, we listen to ourselves far more than we speak to ourselves. We let the outside affect the inside. And the joy of Christianity says, listen, the world says your joy comes from the outside in. Christianity says your joy comes from the inside out because of what has been done for you on the inside, what has been taking place, the reconciliation has happened, that's where our joy comes from. And so we must proclaim to ourselves. What must we proclaim? We must proclaim and believe that God keeps his promises. We must proclaim and believe what he says about his character is true. We must proclaim and believe the work of Jesus Christ. I'm not condemned. I am forgiven. I am freed from sin. We must proclaim those things and believe those things. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace guess what? In believing. It's there for you. The joy of Christ can be yours today. If you have never known him as Lord and Savior, you can experience it for the first time by confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. But guess what? If you've known him for a long period of time, I got saved at the age of five. All these years, I can know that joy and you can know that joy by doing the exact same thing, proclaiming and believing. And when we do that, we see the joy that's already there. That's already there for us to anchor us in our sorrows, in our pains, in our joys, in our celebrations. The angel proclaimed it, and he wasn't lying. I bring you good news of great joy. Will you proclaim it? Will you believe it? The joy is there for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go to you, we can't ultimately 
We can't ultimately do anything in and of ourselves that would rescue us from the situation we find ourselves in. But Lord, what I pray today has been about is proclaiming that one has rescued us and his name is Jesus. And that rescue doesn't just impact our moment right now, but it impacts our past, our present, and our future. And so Lord, if there's any in this place yet today who have not received and proclaimed the good news that produces a great joy, Lord, may they call upon Christ as Savior even in these moments. And for any of my dear brothers or sisters, Lord, who are struggling, struggling to find hope, struggling to find a peace today, Lord, may they cling to the joy of knowing what is true of Christ and what he has done for them and that that would be the anchor for the soul that they need through whatever it is that they are getting through, knowing that our joy doesn't come from the outside in, but Lord, it comes from the inside out. And so to you be the praise and glory both now and forevermore because of who you are and what you've done. In Christ's name, amen.